2: Ball loose. Right, give me one, Give hit. me one, Stevenson ties
1: it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits
0: again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Pooch with another one. Brogdon goes inside, and Turner finishes. Halliburton oh. leaves
1: it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job.
2: Oh, what a move by Heal. He only lays it in. Heald. Than fish grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the
1: catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning his Brissett, pounds it all it's It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human.
2: Halliburton gonna
0: slam it at the other end.
2: What's up everybody? So today on setting the pace, we're gonna jump right into it. Me and Fachi are going to break down what Kevin Pritchard had to say after the draft lottery. We have not heard from Pritchard since the season ended. And I think whenever Kevin Pritchard speaks, it's always interesting to hear what he says. So Fachi, how you doing, brother? What'd you think about that interview?
1: I'm doing well. I've had a little bit of time to let the sixth overall pick set in a little bit. I feel a little bit better than yesterday. I feel like this this way, it's like <laughs> There is going to be a really good player that falls down to six. I think it's going to end up, you know, kind of being from that Jay Nivey, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray type mix. And I feel good with all those players. As it relates to Kevin Pritchard, it got me fired up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest because if there's one word I could pick out from this interview, it's aggressive.
2: Yeah, no, Kevin Pritchard was definitely adamant saying that word, talked about some of the moves that he made. So let's just get right into it. Um, Pritchard, obviously bring up the fact that they got the six pick wasn't what they wanted, knew that there was a likelihood they could move down, but probably in a better spot than being at seven, in my opinion. And I think that's how the Pacers felt as well. But, um, I, I thought this was the most interesting thing to start off with. Like the fact that he just came out and said, where you you starting the draft is sometimes where you, uh, and sometimes where you end are not the same basically. So I-, I thought that was really interesting. The fact that he said and hinted at they could make some moves. Yeah, I
1: mean, look, he never wants to tip his hand at what he's going to do, but all throughout this press conference, he talked about how, hey, we can get up to $25 million in cap space, could generate more. We have the sixth, we have the 31st, we have the 58th pick to work with. We also have that Cleveland pick. So he talked about all the different ways that, you know, there's a chance that they could move up there's a chance that they could move back, but it really felt like he hinted at more the potential to move up, but also stated, look, if there's an opportunity to get who we want, I will get super aggressive to get him, whether it's moving up, using our cap space, using picks. I will tell our guys this is who I want.
2: That That's me. Um, just, just screams, Fachi. They like somebody that's higher than six. That's kind of how I felt. Uh, when, when listening to him talk, they were hoping to jump. I, I will say this. They might not say it personally, but I really think the Kings jumping them hurts them a little bit. I agree. Especially since Sabonis was there representing them. I, we go back. If you listened to our podcast from yesterday, the reaction pod, you know, I was like, oh, there's Sabonis are behind Kelly Kroskow. She's, he's going to end up, they're going to end up jumping us. And then that happened in the draft. And it was just one of those things where it just, like, did not feel good when when you saw him on the stage there just because we traded him. Just felt like, oh, man, like, what a bummer. But I still like six. I, I really think that there's some potential here, Fauci. And we do have these assets, right? Pick six, pick 31, and pick 58. Obviously, 58, probably not the most important. But you also got that Cavaliers pick. I do think that there is a lot of interest here, and I want to see how the Pacers use this. Um, one of the key things he brought up was talking about how they have about $25 million in cap space. We all know that. But then he just casually said, but we could generate more. thought that was pretty interesting, Flatch. I did,
1: and I, I think that he's kind of hinting at, look, we're going to make some moves. So when they could generate more, first thing that popped in my head, Malcolm Brogdon. Right over there, look, it's like you don't know what's going to go on with Brogdon. I'd say odds point to him probably not being back in a way that the Pacers could generate more money. But also another line that really stood out to me is we addressed – the young core on this team. You know, he talked about, he named Tyrese, Chris said he would love to have Jalen Smith back and Isaiah Jackson as the young core on this team. Those were like the four names that were mentioned. And I really felt like, yeah, are they the youngest guys on the team? They are. But when you mention guys like that, it feels more of a priority of, hey, we want to keep those guys together. So I I thought that was interesting.
2: No, I I definitely think it is. Everybody's going to be like, why didn't he say Terry Taylor? Why didn't he say Dwayne Washington? Why didn't he say Miles? It's like, uh, let's not let's not overthink this. First of all, he only spoke for like 13 minutes. Right after that stressful day of trying to figure out where they're going to pick, he might have just not mentioned everybody because that's a lot of players on their roster to mention. So I think he did that in the other press conference he did after the big trade week and left somebody out. He like forgot to thank Karras or something like that and like had to go back and redo it. Just like... You get talking, and Kevin Pritchard, we know this from the podcast, he kind of talks in circles, right? He he over-talks to try to avoid the actual answer and and work his way around it. So what I will say here is if they're looking to move up and they really like somebody in that four-to-five range, you have to wonder what position it is because, look, Jalen Smith is someone they really want to keep, Fauci. And if they really want to keep him, if they draft a player that plays his position, that might deter him away from resigning here. If they go out out and get Keegan Murray, does that say to Jalen Smith, okay, they're going to start him, Indiana's not an option, right? I mean, there's that possibility. So he might say, I want to go somewhere else. But if they get a guy like a Shaden Sharp or maybe a Jaden Ivey, then he goes, okay, they have a hole there at that starting four position. Maybe I have a chance to to get some significant minutes here.
1: Completely agree. Look, I love me some Jalen Smith. It was really fun being able to watch him produce. And then I hated how it come down to the, oh, man, how are we going to convince him to stay? Because Jalen Smith seems like someone where, hey, we gave him the playing time. He produced over here. I get the feeling that he would like to be here. But also, we just don't know what the offers are going to be. For him out there, would he turn down less money in Indiana if it meant guaranteed more playing time? I don't know. We don't know what those discussions are like. I feel like we won't know until free agency really starts. But obviously, yes, the first starting point is if the Pacers draft a four, I I think it's over for Jalen Smith coming back.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, there's so much going out right now, Fauci, in terms of what might happen, who might take who. It's all fascinating to me, and I think one of the things that's mo- the most interesting that I saw was Rafael Stone from the Rockets said that they would be willing to m- potentially move their pick from three. Well, why would they do that? That, that doesn't make any sense to me, but um, I feel like this is a, a very clear tier. Now, I'm not a check guy, but a lot of people consider consider Chet to be in that top tier with Paolo and Jabari. Uh, I believe Wode said on his podcast today that there's a consensus right now around the league that it's going to be Chet and Jabari at 1-2, so that means the guy that I like, number one, Paolo Boncaro, is going to be there at 3. I really think when it comes down to this draft, it starts with what the Sacramento Kings do because so many people say they don't need another guard. Would they go after Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp? when they already had the three guard experiment last year that they didn't love. I mean, especially knowing how good of a playmaker Halliburton is, Ivy's not that guy, neither is Sharp. So to me, I don't see them, the Kings anyway, wanting to draft one of those two players.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Mike Schmitz joined Woj today, talked about how Keegan Murray uh, makes a ton of sense for them and wanting to win now, getting into the playoffs. They really don't want to be in the lottery at this high, uh, especially at this high of a pick. Like, cool, it's great to get it, but they're not trying to go through a rebuild. They're trying to win now. Keegan Murray's a win-now player. And Mike Schmitz even said they're, he's leaning towards saying that Keegan Murray is the third best player in this draft. So by hearing all that kind of stuff, I thought it was really interesting. And um, I've listened to a few different Kings podcasts just to kind of hear what their thoughts were. They're very into trading the pick, trying to get a star potentially from from another team or a young player that is ready to move on, like maybe a, a, a Donovan Mitchell, maybe a, a John Collins, that kind of thing. But there was also a, a lot of talk from a, different, a couple of different Kings podcasts AJ Griffin is a guy they really think would fit in with their system. So I think it starts there and then we can kind of see what happens. And this is where Pritchard has to have the, you know, that ammunition ready to fire away when he's something that he wants to pounce on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really feel like the Pacers kind of have a feel for you know who's going to be over there. And if if there's someone close, they will pounce. And I I thought that something that was interested was basically. You know, Pritchard said he'd be shocked if he can't get the guy that he wanted in for a workout, wants someone that really wants to be there Mm -hmm. in Indiana, and also said he got feedback from some players that want to come in and get this started. I don't know who he's already spoken with, but apparently he's spoken with guys that are, you know, going to be in that range of sixth overall. And it sounds like this is the best chance the Patriots have had to be able to get a star player in for a workout that's going to take a look at us. And I'm really excited for it.
2: Yeah. I know that, uh, I know that James Boyd from the Indy star had tweeted out that Kevin Pritchard in the front office, were talking with Benedict Matherin. Uh, this is somebody that I think I had at one point, at five on my board. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that pick. I, I actually really like Matherin. Uh, I've seen some people that like, put a question out today. Who do you want the Pacers to take at six? And I got a lot of Matherin love. Uh, from fans so I, I i'm saying if they think he might fall do they trade back that's another scenario we didn't really talk about if that's a guy they feel like is someone they love i don't think fans would be excited about that i think fans would be be more happy with them just staying at six and taking him instead of trading back and taking him just because when you trade back it just looks bad in, in a yeah. sense to the fan base like oh we're trying to take the cheap way out because if they do trade back cheaper contract right but um Overall here, I I love what he had to say about finding a guy that wants to be here. Think about it. Victor Oladipo didn't want to be here. A lot of rumors that Sabonis didn't want to be here. We Obviously, know Paul George didn't want to be here. They got to find a star, potentially, that wants to be here. And I think the key thing is if they want to be here, that will help Halliburton want to stay. That's what you have to realize. If you got two guys that are just committed to being here, obviously, I think Chris Duarte has no problem being here. Um, with his story, his journey, he's clearly just probably happy to be in a situation where he's part of a good young core. So obviously, I just think that is so important. And they talked about doing things differently in terms of talking to these guys, having them watch film, that kind of stuff. That to me is really impressive. The fact that he's being kind of open and saying, this is what's going to happen. It makes me feel better about how they're approaching this.
1: Now, I feel really good about this. You want someone that wants to be there, of course, like it's got to happen. The Pacers have been burned by this from some of their star players that this next guy coming in, we got to treat him like a star. So I, I love that the Pacers, you know, Pritchard mentioned that he wants to be able to spend a solid amount of time with whoever this is, like be able to take them out for dinner, be able to watch film with this player get a real sense for does this person love basketball he said he's going to ask it in a hundred different ways so they're going to do everything they can to find the right person over here and I I think that across the board this is super super important to nail this pick Pritchard knows this Mm. I mean look hey he's pulled he's pulled some rabbits out of hats before but I think he knows if, if the Pacers aren't able to nail this pick this could be his job because The franchise is at such a pivotal point right over here where this pick it's beyond important, but going back to what you said about Tyrese Halliburton, I love just even seeing today Halliburton wearing a Reggie Miller shirt. Reggie Miller shows him the love back on Instagram. You know, it's like, Halliburton just seems to say and do all the right things. That man was a hundred percent committed to Sacramento, which is a hard thing to do. So we got to give him a medal at some point. But he's showing that he's committed to the Pacers right now, and we got to be just as committed back.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if I think he's showing he's committed, but
1: well, he's, he's buying repping. In.
2: He's repping. Yeah. He's he's buying in. Okay, I'll give you that I, because he talked about how he was kind of, you know turned off by how Sacramento basically, you know, promised him like, okay, you know, we want you to be here. You want to be here. Let's make this a long-term relationship. And they trade it. Right. Um, I don't know if you were on Twitter much last night, but there's a lot of Kings fans.
1: Oh my God. I saw that
2: Throwing salt into the wound of them jumping us and acting like, Oh yeah. Hey, Pacers learn how to tank. Um, I had a lot of fun with this. And, and, And to be honest with you, I just started laughing. I, when like it was getting replies back from multiple different Kings fans on Twitter, I just kept replying back because it was, it was too fun not to reply Fachi. Usually I don't love getting into rabbit, you know, trails where I'm going down talking about other stuff, but I was just like, you know, your guys' draft history is pretty gross. And outside of a few guys you hit on, you've had way more misses in the lottery and your franchise hasn't made the playoffs since 2006. Their favorite comeback to me was, well, your best player is someone we drafted. That's not a comeback. That's an insult to yourself. It is. Because the Kings (laughs) traded away one of their best draft picks to the Pacers because they don't know what they're doing in the front office and they make irrational moves all the time. So I, I had fun with that. I was enjoying Pacer Nation helping me gang up on them because, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Somebody replied and said, Y'all having a mid-off. And it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're both yeah.
2: middle of the middle of the pack in terms of, you know, franchises. We're not we're not a star set of franchise. We're not a rich history franchise, but definitely just something funny. And I enjoyed I enjoyed having that conversation. But think just looking back now, Fachi, anything else from Pritchard that we didn't talk about that you want to bring up?
1: Uh, I mean, he also complimented me basically saying that 31 is a beautiful place to be in this draft. I completely agree. There's a lot of like that talent that might not be like star studded talent, but at 31, you can get a really good player or you could package 31 and 58 and move up to to the back end of, of, you know, of, of of the first round. Or you could take that 31st pick, package it with the Cleveland pick, Mm -hmm. and and be able to, you know, get another really good rotational player. So I I think that we can't be sleeping on that 31st overall pick. I I really do think that that is going to end up paying off because just last year, Pacers were packaging, you know, the 31st pick, um, Aaron Holiday, they moved up, a couple other second-round picks, move up to 22nd, they take Isaiah Jackson. I loved that move. And looking back now, Aaron Holiday, you know, I don't think we missed
2: out on that. I really don't. No, and and I'll say this. um, Scott Agnes brought this up on his podcast, and I had heard the same intel, but um, didn't come out and say, like, you know, reported or anything. But basically the Pacers, when they made that trade with the Cavaliers for that pick, they could have got it, like, top 12 protected Fauci and not gotten that Houston pick that ends up being the 31st pick. They really valued that second round, that first pick in the second round. And the big reason why we talked about this a little bit, but the big reason why is there's not a set contract when you when you Mm -hmm. take a guy in the second round. So the Pacers are like, okay, look, after the thirty that have been drafted, they all got their guaranteed contracts. Now, if there's a player that happens to fall, we have the opportunity to a maybe take him and give him a contract we want to pay him that fits into our salary, or we can trade him. I believe since the team since the NBA expanded to thirty teams when I was talking about that. I believe there's been 18 18 picks with that 31st pick, and I believe it's been traded like 13 times or something crazy like that, 11 or 13 times. I can't remember, but I did do um, some research on that before. I can't remember the exact number, but this pick is constantly traded. So I would be utterly shocked if the Pacers pick at 6, 31, and 58. So I, I highly anticipate them making some moves on draft night. But I want to throw this at you, Fachi. I was asked this question on the radio. Somebody threw out the idea of what if the Pacers trade Turner to Charlotte and get back pick 13 and then try to use 13 and six to move up? Is that something you can see them doing?
1: I don't know. It just sounds like so much. Like, all right, so we trade, we trade, you know, Turner to Charlotte, we get 13, you take six and 13.
2: Next question How far are we moving up? Well, I'm just asking. I mean, Three or four,
1: because if you're gonna to move up to four, is like I don't know. Uh, I think it's one thing. It's I think it's different at three. At three, yeah. you're getting Paulo. I, I feel really good about that. At four, all of a sudden, it's like you're getting a guy that could potentially fall to six. You know, like I feel like it, when you you look at that, you know, I think that first tier, a lot of people have, you know, Chet Jabari Paulo, and then I feel like that next three is kind of. Um, uh, Jaden Ivey, you know, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp. I feel like those three are in that next kind of tier. I know you're significantly low on Chet. Uh, you know, I'm not high on him at all, but I'll still give him the respect that he's got to be in that first one or or, or second tier. So if you're going to trade Turner, the sixth and the 13th to move up to four, that feels like a lot to me.
2: Yeah, I said that I don't really think it makes a whole lot of sense. and my rebuttal was the Hornets don't have cap space. So you're gonna have to take back salary to to you know with to for them to acquire miles, especially if they plan on extending bridges. So mm-hmm. you're probably talking about having to get back Gordon Hayward. And at that point, who wants that?
1: Everything you know?
2: leads to a scenario with Hayward potentially <laughs> coming back to Indiana. I mean, if you're talking about the Hornets, it's the only thing that makes sense yeah, unless they want to somehow send like we talked about earlier, like Plumley and Ubre, but still, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's not yeah. really what I would want to do. What yeah. I countered with, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is Portland's at seven. Okay. Yeah. It's not a great spot to be in at seven, especially for that team that really just needs top tier talent. Is there any chance you could see the Pacers saying, hey, we'll offer you Brogdon, the future Cavs pick, and pick 31, maybe for pick seven? Now you have six and seven to move up, which might be a little bit more enticing. Well, here's the
1: next thing: we if we get six and seven, or oh, trading both of them to move up, where?
2: Don't tell me four. No, three. I'm I'm, I'm okay. talking top three here. When oh, I say man. when I say move up, I think, and I said this last night on Twitter, and Kings fans are mad at me. I said I think four through six is kind of interchangeable.
1: I completely agree. I'm, yeah. I'm on board with you. It is interchangeable. There's three players there that I'd be happy if we got, you know, any one of them. So Exactly. <laughs> um, now, if you're talking about moving a three, do you – basically, let, let's let's paint the picture. Say Paulo is the guy there. Yeah. Is Paulo better than taking potentially, you know, Shaden Sharp or Jaden I, the end Benedict Mathurin?
2: I think he is.
1: <laughs> could be. He's more definitely more of a sure thing. But if the Pacers are to get two of those guys that could actually end up being starters for years and years, man, I'm not gonna lie. That's that's pretty appealing.
2: I mean, there's that case too. But man, I don't. Ah, man, that's tough. Now here, it's hard
1: it's hard to get talent here. If you're talking about getting two really talented young players to add to our core. I'm going to be honest. I feel pretty good if it's trading Brogdon, 31st, and the Cavs pick. But here's the, the turning point to you. Is that enough for Portland to want to do it?
2: Well, it just depends on what they view in this draft. If they view that Brogdon's better than anybody at seven and they were trying to win with Dame, or even if you threw Miles in there instead of Brogdon, right? He said, hey, you guys won't have a center, but we can give you a 26-year-old Miles Turner. We'll also give you pick 31. We'll give you the Cavs pick next year there's something that could be done there maybe. Um, Or you make it a three-team trade, which you know I love to do those. with. You do love
1: a good three-teamer.
2: With Charlotte and Portland. I mean, there's those scenarios too. I mean, we'll get into more draft trade stuff later when we have more time to talk about it. But I just found it fascinating that they brought that up to me, and I was like, okay, well, maybe we can just discuss this on the podcast and look at trade scenarios, to try to move up. But um, I will throw this one out at you because I thought about this one today. This would be moving up to three. It'd be a trade with the Rockets. Okay, you trade Miles Turner, pick six, in the in the Cavs pick, for Eric Gordon's contract and pick three.
1: The, those Eric Gordon Indiana rumors have been playing itself out. I feel like since he entered, it's just NBA. A, it's just a salary swap, so I they know, don't have to I worry know. about paying him. I know at this point because the rumors started you know years ago. There's less time on that deal. Is this finally his expiring year? Or he's is got two years left. More? He's got two. That years contract left. never ends. I swear.
2: It uh, I never think ends. he got an extension. So he did
1: at one point, which yeah. is crazy. But look, that trade, I'm honestly on board for yeah. because I do think that there is a solid difference between six and three right over there. Turner, look, he's from Texas. You know, he, he could welcome a trade over there. But at the same point, he's also heading into a contract year. So it, it's it's riskier than him having two, three years on the deal. The Cavs pick, like you said, it was a cash pick or just said it was 31. It was
2: a cash pick. Yeah.
1: We, we don't know if that pick, you know, does it materialize. Does it not? You imagine we eventually get it. But there's a chance it could turn into two second round picks. If that offers on the table, I'm doing that deal.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. What would be so fascinating if it's like Paolo Bencaro knows he's going to the Rockets, but doesn't want to go there because he doesn't want to play with uh, your guy, Kevin Porter Jr. My guy, J- I'll take that. And Jalen Green, because I don't pass the ball. He'll that's be like, true. "Yeah, I don't want to play for this organization, which I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to go to Houston right now. Anyway, I don't, I'm not a big fan of KPJ at all. And uh, you know, that's just my thoughts. But, they're open to moving the pick. That's why I brought that up, because I brought it up earlier. Raphael Stone said they would be open to moving it. So that's why I'm like, hey, if they're open to moving it, obviously I don't think they need Brogdon, right? I think Turner would make more sense for them there. They got Sengun, though, so it's like, do they uh, do they really want Turner either? I, I, I'm just trying to throw out different hypotheticals out here, trying to find a way for us maybe to crack the top three. But um, overall, I mean, I'm fine to pace to stay at six. That's how I feel. I just really hope fans don't view it as, oh, we lost the lottery. Woe is us. Oh, poor Pacers. Never catch a break. It's like we're, we're a top six pick in the draft. That's way better than we've been since 1989. couple things.
1: One, I looked at it. Eric Gordon has one year left with the next year non-guaranteed. Ooh. So he would, if that trade ever did materialize, he would not see year two. So, you know, I'm fine with one year if that ever <laughs> happened. Second of all, look – Pacer fans, hey, as a whole, we're never going to be satisfied. We're never going to be happy. A year ago, I was jumping with joy to be like, man, 13, whoo, the uh, potential is endless. And then now all of a sudden we're six, yet there's still that like little feeling in the air of like six. But here's the thing. You and I spoke before the lottery and you asked, how am I feeling? And I said, I think I've already sold myself on. We're probably falling to six. Like it seemed realistic. Like, there was yeah. a good chance we fell to six and even a better chance that we fell to seven. So let's just be happy at this point that look, it's six. There's a good player that's coming to Indiana. You got to be excited about that. There's teams that fell, you know, worse than us. I mean, Detroit falling from like two to five. That's a massive blow right there. You went from getting a top tier player to now you're getting like a pretty good, you know, Hey, like, all right, we're not quite there yet. So for the basers, Whoever's coming in here is going to be one of the most talented draft picks that we've ever had in franchise history.
2: Yeah, and I will just say this. You guys know this. Shaden Sharp is number three on my big board. I looked at a ton of mock drafts today, Fachi, because I was curious, listened to a lot of podcasts. I encourage you guys, go listen to the Woj Pod with Mike Schmitz. And him, I think it's around the 29-minute mark, he starts talking about Shaden Sharp. How there was like 12 GMs at practice at a Kentucky practice, and when they were playing five on five, with Tai Washington out there and all the other guys for Kentucky, Shaden Sharp looked the best. Ooh. And that to me said something that at that point he looked the best in practice when he wasn't even playing in games. That was really interesting to me. So Mock draft wise, it's pretty much Shaden Sharp and Keegan Murray. There's not a lot of Jaden Ivy to the Pacers at six. I don't think I've seen one yet. I have seen some where they do have the Kings jumping up, taking A.J. Griffin at that at that position there at four. Very Very Kings-like. Yeah, I've heard the Pistons really, really like Keegan Murray. So that was interesting to me as well. But the majority of mock drafts have the Pacers taking Keegan Murray at six, but I would say like probably 30 to 40% of them have been taking Shaden Sharp, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I really just hope that the Pacers can find a way to get that commitment from Shaden Sharp that he's willing to be in Indiana.
1: Oh, man. I mean, that would be big because we've talked about it before for, for you know, guys that maybe not have heard this before, but Shane Sharp was expected to be the top overall prospect going into next year's class. So this could actually be our best chance at getting a top overall, top, you know, type talent. And it's like the loophole in the system. He's only going to be there because he didn't get to play this year in college. So it's like, it's that opportunity at six to be able to get a guy that could potentially have been the number one overall pick next year, if not, you know, top two. But one thing that I really like about Shaden Sharp, look in, in terms of his measurements, look, six five in shoes. All right, great. You know, might not blow anyone away. Six eleven and a half wingspan, nearly a seven-foot wingspan for a two-guard. You gotta love that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so much about him that is just very appealing over here. I I'm very anxious to see even more and more, but Man, I just think that we are—we need to buckle up because we are in for some straight drama the way that those picks are going to be interchanging between four to six.
2: Yeah, and this is the thing. The draft is like – usually it's somewhat predictable, right, especially once you get there. But right now it does not feel predictable at all. It feels like there's a top three consensus and then another tier that could be anywhere from four to eight, right? So that's where I'm at with it. I'm really intrigued. I'm still – I'm still all in on Shaden Sharp. You you can't convince me otherwise, but I'm definitely back on the uh, Keegan Murray train a little bit. I I think I would have a really hard time if I'm the Pacers and I had to pick between Ivy and Sharp because just passing on Ivy, knowing that he's an Indiana guy, how many fans would be upset and that kind of thing, um, it would make me a little bit nervous. So if I was picking between the two, man, it'd be tough. I would really rely on what everybody else said in terms of my scouts and what Rick Carlisle said if I'm the if I'm the GM. But um, overall, I, I think we got to give Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan just an opportunity here to trust them with this pick and not hold previous drafts selections and the, the Pacers' tenure against them because this is a totally different type of situation. Picking six compared to the late teens, early twenties.
1: Exactly. Look, I know it's a fun thing to be like TJ Leaf, you know, but it's like, look, guys, at pick 18, it's a whole different ball game. Like at six, you're actually looking at a guy who, you know, unless you somehow take a massive woof, you know, you're looking at a really, really great player, a potentially great player. At 18, it's up in the air. I mean, 18 is like this guy could be out of the league in a couple of years. He could be a rotational player. Maybe he could be a starter. Like you're, you're looking for someone. You're taking a swing on upside. That's what the Patriots did with Goga. T.J. Leaf took a swing on some upside. You know, hasn't hasn't worked out. But at six, I trust the front office that, hey, we're going to get a really good player And look, if it's the worst-case scenario when we end up with someone like Benedict Matherin, are we really going to be that mad? I'm not. I'm still going to be like, wow, this is a really good player that I can sink my teeth into. This guy has the potential to keep developing. I mean, even last year when we took Duarte, it was like, okay, all all right, yeah, you know, good player, a little bit old. Like, no, no, no. All the guys going in, like, the top 10 are all, like, young Promising
2: players that, that could be here for a long time. Absolutely, Fachi. So I'm going to help Focci out here. You guys can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden, NBA. He's at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk and over on TikTok and Facebook at Setting the Pace. Fachi will be back tomorrow with more draft coverage. Hopefully, have a draft guest on. But if you're excited for the Pacers to land a star at six, say these three words Let's go, Pacers!